This is Greg Lazinski, and you're listening to Baseball BBQ. Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musings Podcast, and you're listening to Jeff and Len on Baseball and Barbecue, one of my favorite podcasts, and I know it's one of yours, too. The only problem is, after I get done listening to it, I'm hungry. All right, guys, take it away. It's time for episode number 38 of the Royal Baseball and Barbecue. I'm Len Averman and this is Jeff Cohen. Welcome. Royal Baseball and Barbecue? <laughs> With that music, I couldn't help but think it was Royal. Yes. So Len, we're up to number 38 and it's July 4th. Happy July 4th. Happy uh, 4th of July, everyone. Right. And today, on our episode, we have another special guest. Another former Major League Baseball player. Yes. And and it's funny because on the 4th of July, which is a huge barbecue day. Huge barbecue day. We have a baseball guest. We do things a little differently here, don't we? We we do. We do. <laughs> Our timing might be a little off, but that's okay. So we have with us today an interview with former Philadelphia Philly, Chicago Cub, New York Met, and Atlanta Brave, Todd Pratt. He is now the minor league manager in the Marlins system for the Jupiter Hammerheads. Working his way up, and hopefully one day... Uh, he will be a big league manager. Yes, which I, and after that interview, I see it happening pretty quickly. I hope so. He's a really good guy, and it was a great interview. Yeah. You have anything you want to announce for uh, barbecue-wise? Yes, you guys have heard Shane Draper on our show. He's been on a couple of times. He is one half of the owners of Grilla Grills. They are having their first ever Grilla Fest. If you are going to be in the Michigan area, and they're actually in Holland, Michigan, on Saturday, August 10th, you should go to this. They are going to... Here's what's going on. It says, Welcome to the jungle. Come be a part of the first ever Grilla Fest from noon to 6 p.m. on August 10th, 2019. Meet the Grilla crew and see live demos by author and chef... Chris Grove, and Mark and Emily Williams of Swine Life, plus get 15% off all accessories. It's their first ever. Unfortunately, Jeff, we are not going to be in the Michigan area on No, that we will not be going to Michigan, but we'll be there in spirit. Yes. And hopefully, I have no doubt that this will sell out, but I'm hoping that some of you guys will be able to make it. I know we have listeners all over the country. Actually, we even have listeners all over the world. So some of you are definitely in that area. Spend your Saturday with Grilla Grills. I'm sure that it will be a great day. Absolutely. So Shane, have a great event. And uh, and we want to have you on to tell us all about it. Yeah, we, we want to hear about it after it happens. Hopefully it will be a big success. Absolutely. All right, Jeff, tell us what we've got next. Oh, uh, you know what? I happened to be at, at, at the office one day, and they put up these posters for a barbecue sauce contest. I'm going, whoa, barbecue sauce contest? 
So I tell one of the organizers, hey, by the way, I have this podcast, Baseball and BBQ. Can I put a couple of cards out? You want to be a judge? I was a judge of a barbecue. Wow. Barbecue uh, sauce contest. Yes. You are moving up in the world. Yes. Yes. Really, really scientific. Uh, but, you know, we were given lunch. There was rib. There was chicken. There was beef ribs. There was hot dogs. And we were supposed to taste each of the contestants' sauces with, with, with the food. Boy, I love barbecue for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> How were the sauces? Sauces were very good. Very, very good. And I interviewed four of the uh, contestants. There was a total of, I believe, eight of them, but I got able to talk to four of them. And we'll okay. play those, those interviews uh, in a little while after the Todd Pratt interview. And you're going to tell us who won? I will not tell you who won because I actually don't know who won. I had left the office and I did not know who the winner was. So we still don't know. I still don't know. Okay, so it might be one of the four we interv- that right. you interviewed. Okay. But it, you know what? They were, in my book, they were all winners. They, okay. they, they took the time. They made the sauces. And it was just it was delicious. So, Excellent. Yep. And you know what? On this 4th of July, baseball and barbecue are as American as they used to say apple pie and Chevrolet. So this is a perfect day to be talking about baseball and barbecue. Except when you believe six teams do not play on July 4th. Right. Which is insane. It's insane. Right. You know, people will say, oh, they deliver a day off. Def- you know what? They get days off. They have a whole off-season off. They're right. million, millionaires, you know, many, many times over. I remember the time when they played double-headers on 4th of July. You know, it used to be special. People were off from work. You take your kid to the ball game. Now, forget it. They, they don't. It, it's so different. Yeah, Fourth of July to not have a, a team playing baseball. You know, you don't play on Memorial. Teams don't play on Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Labor. It's ridiculous. Right. These are the days that you associate with baseball. Sure. I mean, the one thing is, as we're recording this, the uh, Nathan's hot dog eating championship has occurred. Right. That always occurs on July Fourth. Always. Right. Joey Chestnut won his 12th straight belt. I think he did 71. Defending champion, but only 71? It's off his mark. His, his, uh, I think his goal is record is 74. Oh, really? Yeah, so he's a slacker. He's slacking off. Only, only 71. Wow. <laughs> can you imagine? Well, I think I can eat 71 hot dogs. Of course, they have to be the little miniature ones. And... Uh, <laughs> And they eat the buns with them. And, and, they, and put the water yeah, in. Yeah, that, that's the thing that, that I'm not a fan of. They, they soak the bun and then they squeeze out the water. It, you know, not, not too appetizing. I, give me the mustard and the sauerkraut and, and uh, you know. And the grilled dogs. Now, let me ask you, you like your hot dogs grilled or boiled? Grilled. Grilled. Yeah. You don't like the d- dirty water dogs on the streets in New York City, do you? No, I like them. Okay. I, I like those, but I prefer grilled. Right. Yeah, and Nathan's are definitely uh, the king of hot dogs. They're the king on July 4th, let's put it that way, yes. Okay. Yes, there are there are lots of hot dogs. Nathan's are very good, but uh, maybe another day we'll, we'll talk about hot dogs. There are plenty of things online where people do reviews of hot dogs. There are brands of hot dogs you don't even know exist. Right. You know, different stores like Trader Joe's has their hot dogs, and... And everybody's got an opinion on their hot dogs. Right, sure. Well, I like mine grilled. Better than better than boiled. Well, they don't right. actually boil them. They put them in hot water. Right, well, right. Yes. and the streets in New York, they're called dirty water right. dogs. Right. right, yeah, those are good. Right, and the ballpark, when those uh, concessions come around, they're in water. But if you go to the concession stand, right. they're on that rolling grill type of thing. 
And how how much are hot dogs right now at City Field? I can't afford it. <laughs> I can't afford. It. You want to go to get a hot dog at a ball game? You go to a minor league ballpark. It's a buck. Wow. Yeah. But for some reason, at a major league bar, ballpark, it's you know seven eight bucks for a hot dog, which is ridiculous. And speaking of minor leagues, and our next guest, who is managing now in the minor leagues after being a major league ball player, our guest was drafted by the Boston Red Sox in the sixth round of the nineteen eighty five draft. He did not play for the Sox, but went on to play for 14 years with four teams, most notably with the Philadelphia Phillies and the New York Mets. Also spent some time with the Cubs and Braves. Went to two World Series in 1993 with the Phillies and 2000, 2000 with the Mets. Now the manager of the Jupiter Hammerheads, uh, the high A affiliate of the Miami Marlins. Welcome to Baseball and BBQ, Todd Pratt. All right, guys. Hey, Todd, before I uh, ask you about your career, I do have some greetings from my friends who play with, with and against you at Mets Fantasy Camp. He says you're a great guy oh, to hang uh, out with. Can, can you share any stories from your uh, times at these fantasy camps? Oh, my goodness. What a great two weeks I have down there in uh, sunny Florida and Port St. Lucie. Uh, if anybody's out there listening, it's worth the, worth, worth the price of it. And it's just a great camaraderie, bunch of dudes. They get after it, man. So... It's it's a great a great time. The Mets take care of take care of the fancy campers and uh, get along. And it's just a great week. Yeah, I heard some of the stories. Yeah, they have a great great time down there. Oh yeah, Todd, you you're not somebody who just uh, you know signs uh, out of school and comes right up to the majors. You really paid your dues in the minors. Yeah, you know, I was, you know, since we're big out of high school with Boston, I was a, a big-time prospect that turned into a suspect once I got to double-A. I mean, I'm an all-star at South Atlantic League and all-star at Florida State League. And I struggled in double-A. Uh, you know, there's some things I had to learn. I was still young. I mean, I was, I was 20 years old in double-A. Um, but it all worked out great, you know. It did, it did. It, probably cost me a couple years in the major leagues learning what I'm supposed to do in life and uh, but it all worked out so I love every minute of it that's great have any, have any uh, minor league stories on how you were called up or something like that because those are sometimes are really great stories right just uh, you know I, really in my first year getting called up uh, you know with Philadelphia uh, you know Philadelphia was, I was a rule five draft Dude, no one hits 069. I'm like, dude, bro, all right. 
then walked into the manager's office and said, hey, if, you, if I'm not going to play here, then just get rid of it. You know, let me get on with my life. He's on our Todd, you know, we, we, we still believe in you. I said, all right, well, I need to play because I hit 300 in AAA last year. Long story short, I went 44 for 100 and ready. Oh. So, yeah, so I, I was leading the league and hitting. And they called me up to AAA, and I didn't play for the next, like, four days in a row. And I told the manager there, and I was like, do you, guys, do you know what I was doing down AA? And he said no. I'm like, okay, whatever. Kind of kept my mouth quiet. Well, you know. We'll probably talk about a couple of my home runs tonight, but... Yep, absolutely. The fifth game, the fifth game, I was there, didn't start, and it was like the 16th inning, and I'm the only guy on the bench, and he said, hey, Todd, you pinch hit. I'm like, all right. Well, I end the game with a walk-off home run there. So that's where it really started, and then I went 10 for 10. So I started to play quick with the Phillies, like uh-huh. 10 for 10. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got called up. But anyway, that's, that, that isn't my like, sort of point of that. You just got to keep grinding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you spent the majority of your time in the majors as a backup catcher, uh, but you backed up some of the best, Dal Dalton and, and Mike Piazza. How was it playing yeah, behind them? Yeah, I mean, it just, every, every, I never, Complained, you know. I mean, you know, a lot of people. You're just a bad, but I backed up all every every catcher I backed up was an all star. Yeah. Aaron Dalton, Mike Lieberthal, uh, Brian McCann. You know, <laughs> it was uh, you know, it, it, I just never complained. You know, I just do my job. I just was stuck with backing up all all stars. You know what I mean? Yeah. You ne- you never thought of. Uh of taking a bat to one of their arms or anything, right? No, I'm just oh, no, 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 we needed those guys. You know, they were, they were, you know, they, they were, they were the men. Of so, course, of yeah. course. You know, the... Yeah, they get a situation too, you know, you, you, they don't want to trade you because, you know, if the big guys go down, then they had me, you know what I mean? That's right. Yeah, because... So I didn't complain, I just, you know, came to work and was honored to be a Major League Baseball player. Probably, probably, uh, the, the, position on a team where the backup gets the most playing time might be the catcher, right? Because the... Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. Every Sunday, you know, Sunday was my day. So, yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, Mike, when when Mike Piazza was, uh, you know, was with the Mets, right? And and one yeah. of the things that people used to say was, you know, your, your best offensive player is your catcher and that can be a recipe for disaster because he, he's not playing every day or he's getting hurt or he's got the nicks and the bruises from behind the plate you know you never know when he's yeah. going to be out so there's always there's yeah, yeah yeah big Mike was he's obviously all famer what a what mm-hmm. a what a dude man you know in the baseball terms we call him dude he's definitely a dude yeah <laughs> and definitely uh, the fact that he didn't go in First ballot was just that was that was bad. that was ridiculous. It's embarrassing. Man. Yeah, it's embarrassing for these reporters. You know what I mean? These people are thought out it's a joke. Yeah. You know this guy is the best offensive catcher ever, and, and probably will ever be. You know what I mean? It ain't gonna be no one like Mike Piazza ever again. Of course. Hey, hey Todd, you you, you you some of the best pitchers you you caught. Uh, Schmaltz, Karschilling, Alida, John Franco. That must have been a thrill. Well, which pitcher in your career was the most fun to catch? 
how they all were. There ain't one single person. I mean, I, I tell my kids, my coach now, you know, I played with so many great players. It's unbelievable. I know. You yeah, know, you I, did. I look back at my career and I'm just like, the guys that were on the field, you know, Robin Ventura, John Oliver, pitching, Smalls, Tim Hutz, and Kurt Schilling, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, anyway, I'm blessed. It's crazy, you know. It's is, uh, like I, I tell everybody, you know, we're we're the same people. You know, we all bleed red. We just have different jobs, and it, it, it's incredible to look back at some of these guys that I play with. Yeah, you were in the minor leagues for a long time. The first time you get a call up, you get your call up to the majors. You walk onto the field for the first time. Now, Jeff and I will never experience anything like that. What yeah. describe the experience of the Oh, I mean, uh, you know, I got called up in ninety two and I guess Darren Dome has played like twenty games in a row. I get called up. Well the club has never even packed my bag, so I didn't even have a glove. <laughs> so I had to FedEx my glove from Grant Wilkesboro to Philly at that point and I don't know how it happened. I ain't got it done. But anyway. First at bat, I'll still remember Sid Fernandez. 3-2 breaking ball. I'm like, really? I'm a rookie. Really? 3-2 curveball? And I walked back to the dugout, Jim Bergosi said, welcome to the big leagues, tank. I'm like, oh my God, really? I mean, I'm hitting zero. 3-2 curveball. That was my first bat in the big leagues from Cincinnati. So I was it's like in the movies, right? Yeah. Welcome to the big leagues, rookie. Yeah, yeah. Bergosi said that to me, and I'm like, And you, you, rookie hazing, it's a real thing, right? Uh, they didn't really hurt me, actually, you know, they, they bought me, they bought me, I mean, it was weird, actually, like, you know, in the locker room in Philly, they had all the big boys on one side, and they put me right there with them, and I'm like, all right, so I really didn't get, I, uh, I guess I didn't get hazed, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I don't know why, I, maybe because I was tank, you know, right. I didn't really haze me, they were Hey, Todd, your first game was against the Mets. Your last game was against the Mets. But two of the most famous plays were for playing for the Mets. So I'm going to ask you about two of those plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah. Uh, I got this one to come up. The first one in 1990, actually both in 1999, obviously the the home run off Matt Manti, 1999 National League Division Series, the walk-off. I remember I was in my car driving out east on Long Island, and I heard it on the radio and I'm pumping my fists up in the air, and, and people look at me like I'm crazy. Uh, take us oh, through well, that. That was a great moment. Oh, you know, uh, you know, game game two, Mike gets hurt in Arizona. You know, uh, they try to put a cortisone shot in his thumb, and it blew up on him. And you know, everybody was like, "Oh my God, we're we're, we're in trouble because Mike's out." So, you know, I understood that I was going to have to catch the rest of the series and uh, try to get game game three. And, you know, at home, and, uh, you know, it just, you know, everybody said about pressure. I really didn't have any pressure. I didn't try to replace Mike. I mean, obviously, Mike was our, our big gun, and everybody was kind of panicking, but I was like, yeah, as long as I catch good and, and, and you know, maybe sneak out a hit or two, we're going to be all right. You know, uh, 
So that game in 99, game four, Manti, you know, I, I actually could have been the GOAT. A lot of people don't remember this. It's like, I think I was the bottom of the eighth. I had a man on third base with one out. And I hit like a 17 hopper right back to him. Uh-huh. All I had to do was get a shot fly. But I got the chance in the 10th, and uh, he threw a breaking ball on, on the first pitch. It bounced like 55 feet. And I'm like, okay, this is beyond time. And um, I got the barrel on it, and, you know, when I hit it, I thought I had a chance, but I felt Finley did the reactions around first. I mean, I thought, you know, I hit it good enough, and uh, saw Finley jump up, and as soon as he looked in his glove, I was like, he's not looking in his glove, he caught it. That's what I knew. Yeah. Then when I'm running second base, you know, I look into the Shea crowd, and it's unbelievable, bro. I unbelievable. The- Just to watch the fans and the stadium, and was shaking, and like... Then I turned. Then I turned and tagged third and to home to see Robin Ventura and Mike. Yeah, the, 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 the joy on their face was more than I had. You know what I mean? I was like, Oh my God, I'm running into these guys, man! <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? I'm like, Okay, oh, I did it. I was like, Yeah, sure. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I know the place literally shook. I remember. Yeah. Oh my God, it was incredible. I mean, I, I love Shay. You know, I remember there was a saying, you know, you guys might have liked it, but it's our home, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And the other play that you were famous for, uh, actually, you didn't hit the ball, but you made it famous. You made the, you made the Grand Slam single yeah, the famous. the Grand Slam single, huh? You made it famous. Take us through yeah, that. Well, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't going to let Robert Ventura outdo me, you know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, anyway, that night, you know, I'm, I'm sitting, once again, sitting on the bench going, like, I'm not playing. I, you know, we're, we're down, you know, come on, guys, you know. And Valentine says, Tank, you're pinch hitting. I'm like, what? Really? All right. I walked to target, you know. It was bases loaded, and, and the gym pitcher, after guy's name, you know, he's throwing gas. And I'm like, oh, dude, he's 2-0. I said, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to do it again. Mm-hmm. Watch. Anyway, I walked, so I was kind of fired up, and then, you know, Robin Ventura, we used to call him Helium Boy, because his home runs were, like, high, just carry, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he would just hit, like, pop-ups, and then they would just carry. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on when you're on base. You're like, okay, i got to make sure, you know, watch the line drive. You know, there's, there's you're playing the game inside your own head, even though you're not hitting. <laughs> well, it was kind of a dreary night that night, if you remember. Yeah. Raining yeah. and foggy a little bit, so... When he hit the ball, I thought, like, oh, it's a double. So all I got to do is touch for a second. You know what I mean? Game's over. Well, I touched second, and then Robin's coming toward me, and he kind of was waving his hand. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Well, obviously, I grabbed him and uh, upset a lot of people, even Robin, and I took away his grandson. I, I always feel bad about it. But, you know, I remember ESPN asking that, and I said, hey, who cares? We won. So, you know what? But the, you made so that. that I, feel, I still take that for it, but, you know, I, you know. If you watch the video, there was guys right behind him. I don't think he, he it probably would have been a Grand Slam double. Right. Was, you know, <laughs> it continued the game because there was guys right behind him anyway. But now that, that play is now famous, a Grand Slam, a Grand Slam single. It, it's known throughout baseball lore. You know, it's not just yeah, another yeah. well, game home think, run. I don't think Vegas, I don't think Vegas like that. <laughs> I was looking over <laughs> my shoulder and, you know, <laughs> Todd, so you want, the, the goal now, I'm assuming, is you want to, well, you're managing now, right? And yeah. uh, eventually, I'm assuming you want to be a major league manager, right? Yes, sir. But yeah, I, I mean, go ahead. No, what I was going to say is the thing with managers, especially in New York, right? 
The manager, yeah. they always say the manager gets too much credit when the team wins and too much bl- blame when the team loses. Your thoughts? I, I think I, I totally agree. I think the players make the manager. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Um, you can't fire the players, you fire the manager, so it's a tough job. But yeah, it, it, you know, this is my goal, and I think I'll be a good one. I'm a great communicator. I'm very transparent with my team and with media. Um, I believe in analytics, but I don't think analytics run the run the whole show. Yeah, I believe in instincts and heart. Uh, and this is the price of pain uh, to be exposed like that. So. I definitely agree, but I will say the players make the manager. Yeah, and you also you you being that you were in the minor leagues for so long, you understand what these guys are going through. Oh, you, that most definitely, it's it, it, it's it's it, it's a grind, brother. It's a grind. You know, these guys don't get paid. They you know, like my guys right here, they're getting paid twelve hundred dollars a month. You know, they have to live four or five guys to an apartment. You know. And, they got to play cup off dudes. I mean, it, they don't, there's no money here. You know, so it's definitely grind, but, you know, the end of the rainbow is what they're looking for. And, uh, and like I, you know, always tell them, I said, you know, it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah, what a life. You know what I mean? What a life baseball is. Todd, is, is, is managing at different levels Triple uh, A, Double A, Single A, and the major. Uh, are there different expectations of the manager's job for each level, or they all just well, I, win? I think I think development is you know like at my level, it's more you know my my bosses will say, hey Todd, don't worry about wins and losses. It's development. Are you getting the players better? In the major league, so it's game by game. You, you, it's a win. You need to win. Right. You know, so it is different. Triple A win. You know, because these guys are older. Double A, you're still developing, and especially yeah. we're at my level and lower. You're just trying to make these players better. You know, I mean, you might be 30 games under 500. Like we were kind of, we didn't have a good first half here. But did the players get better? Yes. You know, so you're trying to teach them how to go to the next level. Yeah. Major leagues, every pitch, every inning is important. You know, you can't get that loss back. You have to win. So I get it. Yeah, because I was I was thinking about that. If you if you uh, develop the players, which is what you're supposed to do, and then they move on, and now you just lost a really good player from your team, so so you probably the the more you actually lose, it might mean that your players are getting better because they're all moving up. Yeah, you know, no, you're right. I mean, I, I look at like a player movement. I think I had 25 player movements last year. So I'm doing my job. Yeah. You know, I, I get it. It, it, it. It's like you almost don't want to call me off and say you're going out. You're like, oh my God, I've got to tell this guy he's going to double A. But I don't want to. You know what I mean? Right. But, but, it, but what an enjoyable moment that is when you tell a player, you know, that they're, they're moving up. I mean, I remember it when I was in the minor leagues. It was a great thing. I remember the day I got called, you know, my manager told me I'm going to the big leagues. I mean, it's just, that's the enjoyment of it. You Help this young young man to go where he wants to go. Yeah, to him. Yeah. So now you're you're managing in the in the Marlins system. So could you give us a couple of uh, scouting reports? I mean, we heard about this this one prospect, of Victor Victor Mesa. He's on your team, right? Yeah, yeah Victor. You know, he's a, he, he's a twenty year old man uh, out, of, out of Cuba, and uh, he's he's doing well. 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 He's
you know, how we play here in, in, in the U.S. The Daily Grind, I think he's getting used to. I mean, you know, the national team here in Cuba might not play as good teams. They maybe play twice a week. But, you know, we're playing seven days a week. But for an overall scope uh, of the Marlins, even though they're, they're one of the lowest uh, records, they're doing great things here. You know, they're, 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 they're getting, we have a lot of prospects, a lot of people that, that out there don't know about the Marlins are going to be somebody in the future. I, I'm just telling you, I watch it. Right. Their pitching, um, their young pitchers are unbelievable down here. Uh, I mean, just for my staff, I have two number one pitch, you know, first rounders, and, uh, and uh, I got two guys that throw 100 miles an hour starting. Wow. Uh, and I think this draft now with Lede and Mason, you know, they've got some college hitters, and there's no really things here. Marlins are, you know, they're, they're, they're doing some good things that people are seeing. You have, you have a 19-year-old kid down there, Jose Devers. Is that the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jose is a great, you know, great game clock. Uh, uh, he's, he's injured right now, uh, so he's had to move playing, and he might need to just year playing, but uh, great prospects, you know, great game clock. When you tell play, when you say the player has a great game clock, Todd, when these guys are throw, when these guys are throwing so hard, like you mentioned, a couple guys are throwing a hundred miles an hour. What, what what do you attribute all these all these injuries to? All these pitchers that it, it seems like every pitcher these days is getting Tommy John surgery. Well, yeah, I, I think it's when they're used when they're used in the travel ball. I believe. I mean, I'm going to say it's travel ball. These coaches don't care. You know, they're all they're doing is trying to put another trophy in their office, so they charge three thousand dollars play for me in the summer. Mm. I mean, there's too many innings. You know, we're getting pitchers that have too many innings at a young age. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I truly believe this. I've been a part of it. I've seen it. I, you know, I'm uh, Joe Schmo. Hey, I you start to play for me for three thousand dollars, and I'll give him all the colleges he wants. That's not right. Right. You know, I mean, we don't, we, you know, they don't play no, you know, baseball players like when I grew up. I was playing basketball, football, you know, but now they're just baseball. It's too many innings in, in that arm. Too many pitches thrown. There you go. And they're doing it all year. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, like, all too year. Many, too many pitches when they're a 13 year old kid and they're throwing, you know, 10,000 pitches a year. You know, there you go. And, it's, and they're throwing so it's hard. Not it's not innings. We call them up. You know, it's not innings. It's how many pitches have you thrown? You know, right? I, so. I keep, I keep, uh, I, I have a theory, and I'm by no means a uh, a professional or anything like that. But I, I kind of think you have to look at the the way they're throwing in the stressful innings, not just number of pitches. Oh no, you're right. You know, the way, way, like when I do my reports, that that's a good point. Stressful innings too. But I just think it's the number of pitches when they're used. I mean, there might be a kid that's 18 years old and, he, and he's a great, highly regarded prospect, but this kid might have thrown 100,000 100, pitches already. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, don't stick to that number. I just threw that as an example. But, no, I understand. I mean, really, he, he, might have, he might have thrown 100,000 pitches already. You know, since he's like 12 years old playing travel ball. Sure. Yeah. You know? I've watched my son, I've watched the coach where my son out one time I'm like dude he's not throwing anymore for you mm-hmm. it's it you know I, I don't care if you win or lose you know I mean that's it 
he's coming up. And Todd, what about the, how do you feel about this? Uh, you know, the pitchers that uh, this guy's a seventh inning pitcher or an eighth. You know, he can only come in here, or he can't. He's he's the closer. He can't come in in the eighth inning. And well, I mean, that's been around forever. I mean, uh, you know, I, you know, I don't know if he can. But just that's his job, you know. But you know, that 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 could be switching, right? Next year they're going to make it. You have to face three hitter minimum. Mm-hmm. So you might see a change in that. But a closer is a closer, you know. And I truly believe those are the three toughest outs. Right. You know, that's a lot of pressure. Uh, the setup guy, like you're saying, or the bridge guy, you know, the guy that, that has to pick up the starter if he doesn't get to the serve. You know. Those are different jobs, you know. But, you know, I, I also believe that anybody can do anything, if that makes sense. Yep. Let me uh, let me get back to your playing in the majors. You were... Uh... Some of the managers you played for was uh, Jim Fagosi, Larry Boa, Ringelman, who's now a bench coach with the Mets, Charlie yeah. Manuel, Bobby Cox, and, and the famous Bobby Valentine. And I, I said Valentine last. Uh, <laughs> I said Valentine last because he, he must have been an experience. So how was he he didn't play any other play for? They're all good. They're all good. They're all great. I mean, I, 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 I'm glad you said Ringelman. Ringelman was a good man too, man. You know, I... I didn't play well for the Cubs, and I didn't help him out, but what a good man he was. Uh, they're all good. I learned, I, I manage, I go back on all those guys you just mentioned, and I, I kind of put them all together and put them in a blender and try to, uh, to use a little bit of piece of all of them when I help these young men here in Jupiter, Florida. Are you, so, Todd, your managerial style, um, is it, you know, Callaway came in with the Mets, all right, and... It was he kind of had this kumbaya style, you know, you know, really. With the, with Callaway with the Mets, you know how he talked yeah. about. So, yeah. So anyway, what's your style? I mean, do you believe in uh, uh, tough love, or I mean, or is it different at every I level? Know, it's, it's a mixture. I'm in the kumbaya style. I mean, I'm definitely players manager, but right. they also know if I look at them in the dugout. With a the scowl, they, they screwed up. Okay. They know. Uh, they know. I mean, they know. I mean, I'm pink. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big dude, you know? Uh, right. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm not a yeller. I just look at him like, dude, really? That, that's, if, you, if all you out there, if you understand what I'm saying, I'm like, if my, my look will say, really? That's what you just did? And they know. And then I bring them in the office. You know, I don't yell at people in front of anybody. I just bring them in the office and we sit down and I'm like, you know, hey, Todd, what were you thinking today? You know, that, what you did today was not a professional player. That's it. You know, they don't need to be beat down. Right. You know, they know. And they put, baseball players are smart. You know, they're smart. You know, I don't know the upbringing or whatever. They're smart. They know. They know. You know. But, you know, Imagine, for instance, you, and if I just looked at you on the bench after you screwed up, and I'm just like, really, dude? And they know. They know. Yeah. There's no reason, uh, there's no reason to embarrass the players in front of because everybody knows, you know? You make an error, or you didn't hustle, everybody knows. And you just call them in and just say, hey, man, you know? Got you. We got you this time. Don't give us a And I think my success as a manager is I haven't had repeat offenders. You know what that means? Yeah. 
Were you there uh, when Bobby Valentine did the famous mustache thing? Were you on, What's that? Were you on the team when Bobby Valentine put on the fake uh, nose and mustache? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You were there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, You know, looking back now, I know that it was just funny. It's it funny. is funny. It's funny. Yeah. And but they didn't help us win that game. We came back that game. You know that, right? Yeah. 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 When, when he well, helped. Yeah, when, and, he, and, he, and he took credit for that. And he didn't help us win that. When he tells that story and he says, uh, he says, um, I said to the umpire, can I get kicked out for what I'm thinking? And the umpire said, no. <laughs> so I told him what I was thinking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, Bob is a good leader, yeah, but they didn't help us win that game, I'll tell you that. Okay. <laughs> uh, you played in yeah. some really great stadiums. Uh, I, I just saw a, a, a video of you hitting a, a walk-off home run against the Red Sox in Veterans Stadium. I forgot what year yeah. that was, but that was a, must have been a big moment. You were mobbed at home plate in there. So um, tell us about that one, and which stadiums did you really enjoy playing in? Yeah, I mean, that game right there, uh, I think it was the 11th or 12th, anyway, I didn't think I was, I think I was the last guy, Larry Bowler, I had already been thrown out of the game, I think Pedro Martinez uh, struck out, I don't know, a dozen people that game, uh, I think Jim Helmy had two home runs that night, you know, it just like I called upon, and yeah. once again, Rudy Santa is an ex-teammate of mine. Todd, you're from outside of, uh, you live outside of the Atlanta area? Yeah. So, uh, eat any good barbecue? Uh, there's, uh, I, 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 I give everything, but yeah, no, there's good food. Uh, Atlanta is a beautiful place, and we love Georgia, you know, I moved there when I signed with the Braves in 2006, and we've stayed, and, uh, we live in the Carrollton area, Great schools, a, a, a great football team, and um, just love the area. All well, right, great. Todd, we hope, well, first of all, thank you very much for the, your time, and we hope that you get up to the majors quickly, because I think from just from this conversation, uh, yeah. that you will make a great uh, major league manager, and my opinion is... And the players, <laughs> players make the manager, though, 
So yeah. all I got to do is communicate. You know, right. I, I am like the father and all, but they're the players. Players run everything. Right. But right. I appreciate that, and I hope I do reach my last dream. But if it doesn't happen, I'm helping people here at, at the class A level. That's fantastic. Thank you very much for your time tonight, Todd. I really, we really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, guys. What, what a great time. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you, you, Todd. Thank you. All right, later. Bye-bye. Jeff, that was really great talking to Todd Pratt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love talking to him. Yeah, one, one of, I, I got to say, one of my favorite Mets uh, really was Todd Pratt. Um, a good guy, you know, just yeah. a good guy. You know, I found that most backup catchers are great guys. Right, you know? <laughs> and, and I know you'll say, well, a backup catcher was one of your favorites, but he, he had... He was more than a backup catcher. Oh, he was like you know, like a heart and soul of that team. Right. You know, yeah. So he, you know, I don't, I never think of him as a backup catcher. Right. And when you think about it, look who he backed up. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, Hall of Famer. Right. Exactly. Um, and then, no sooner did we finish that interview, and of course we're sitting there. We had just hung up with Todd Pratt, and we're kind of like, "Wow, we just got Todd Pratt. That was pretty cool." And then we get a text from him. Maybe the best interview I have ever had. Thanks. And we were like, wow. Yeah. You think Todd Pratt's been interviewed by uh, numerous people? I would think so. Yeah. And we uh, had maybe the best interview with him. So, guys, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. All right, let's move on. All right. You went to a ball game the other day, didn't you? Yes. Mets-Yankees, uh, the first night, the, the Tuesday night. July 2nd? Right. Uh, yeah, July 2nd. Uh, my feeling on the game was that when the... Uh, when the Yankees were just getting back from London, even though they had the game in between, they would be kind of tired. Yeah. All right. Good, so good for our team. Right. I thought that was a good <laughs> night to beat them, which is evidenced by the next night where we lost, which was last night, five right. to one. But okay. All right. So let's just. What I wanted to say, and, and I, we're not going to make this a rant, but I got to say that I'm not sure I really love going to a Subway Series game yet. Yeah, it was fun. The people I was with, uh, we all had fun. The food was great. You know, we had we we had from Blue Smoke barbecue, great. But it's like Bizarro World. You're sitting there. You're in City Field, right, home of the Mets. So this is where you're supposed to feel comfortable. You know, the Mets are supposed to. If they win, everyone cheers. If they lose, everyone's upset. If you know. It, some people boo. I'm not for booing. But the point is, the way the Mets go is the way the fans go. Not that night. Well, you know, it's like when the Yankees go to Tampa. It's, like, it's a home game for Mets. Right. But yeah. I wasn't used to that. I know. And I'm sitting there, and the Yankees score two runs in, in like the third or the fourth inning. They score two runs quickly, right? And all the fans are going nuts. And, and it's just, it's very strange to be... In your home stadium, right, with the fans going nuts for the other team. For the other team, and, yeah. I, and I understand. I feel badly for for all the, these teams that like Tampa Bay. Uh, maybe the Marlins get the same thing when uh, other teams go there. Yeah, you know, yeah, sure, Marlins, the, the Rays, uh, even Baltimore. When the Yankees go to Baltimore, it's half half the Yankees uh, fans. Right. So but, yeah, I was, it was just weird. I'm just sick of the interleague play already. It's it's nothing special anymore. It's lost its cachet. And it's, it, I'm over it. I can't wait. Uh, but it's never going back to the way it was. No. But uh, it's just stupid these days. Right. Although, uh, as far as Mets-Yankees, they played 
four games this season. They played four right, games. Two and two. Right. Um, and they used to play three and three. Right. And they also used to play on the weekends. I notice now it's more... They, it, it's lost its cachet. Yeah. It really has. Yeah. Anyway. So uh, I want to tell you about this the uh, barbecue sauce contest at my office. So, I, like I said, it came in one day and there was a... So I judged this contest. It was delicious. And I have a couple of interviews to play. From some of the contestants. Now, are you were you able to before we? Because I know that the sauces all were different. They all had they used special ingredients. Some were sweet, some were hot. Were you able to, with your discernible palate, were you able to taste uh, each individual sauce and pick out like the different flavors and you know? Some of them had very distinct flavors. One was apples and cinnamon. I definitely yeah can tell a difference. Some of the sweet and sour ones, the one that uh, we'll hear with Martha Banks, she, you can have a little punch at the end, which was delicious. So, absolutely. Of the four that you tried, well, they're, I'm not even going to ask you. No, they're all delicious. They're all delicious. Right. I can't pick ask a winner because I work with these people. Exactly. I'm not going to ask you who you voted for, but I am very curious who won. But let's listen to these interviews. Okay. I'm Ed Randall, and you're listening to Baseball and Barbecue. And if you want to reach the show, give us a call at 516-855-8214. Email us at baseballandbbq at gmail.com. Check out us on our Facebook page. Leave a comment. Also, check us on our web- website, www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. I'm here with Giselle Simon at a Aon barbecue sauce tasting contest. Mm-hmm. First of all, it was sauce Z- fest competition. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was, everything was delicious. I enjoyed a, it. It's a very difficult, it's going to be a very difficult decision. <laughs> but tell us, how, what inspired you to make this barbecue sauce? Well, actually, I'm from Trinidad, so I guess Calypso is our right. national um, you know, song or music, let's just say, and it's a combination of all different flavors. We're a cosmopolitan nation, so I just blended everything, and I thought that, you know, it, let me just go with the type of people that we are, sweet, and, you know, it's a, it's a mix. We even speak melodically, mm-hmm. so I said it can be a melody of sweetness and with a bit of spice at uh, the end. Yes. Yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. Definitely delicious, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what kind of... Without giving away your secrets, mm-hmm. uh, what, how did you go about, what inspired you just to... Uh, to make it. Yes. Well, I cook a lot. I cook quite a bit with my church, and it gives me the opportunity because I live alone, and I don't have a large family, but I love cooking. It, it, it relaxes me, and what happened is I just blend in different things in the kitchen, you know, pulling from here and there and adding a bit of sweetness here and then of course our, our scotch bonnet at the end <laughs> to just to jazz it up it makes a big difference oh great yeah do you uh i think lay in the flavors and when somehow the magic happens in the pot when you boil it at the end if you put the spice at the end it somehow tends to burst at the end i'm sure it's a big hit at your church um do you have any plans of taking this commercial and going selling it because no. it's very- no, it's just, yeah. just for the fun of it, huh? Just for the fun of it. Oh, yeah. Wow. Just for the fun of it. Well, I think my temperament, I don't know if I can, in fact, go out and commercialize, let's just say, because everyone says, oh, you can do catering and stuff like that, but not too passionate, unfortunately. <laughs> so the temperament and having to deal at that level, 
Yeah, okay. I think it takes more than just enjoyment, but you know, that commitment. And, the name and it of might your, take the fun away from it for me. And the name of your uh, hot sauces, I mean, uh, barbecue sauce of Giselle's Calypso Sweet Heat. Yeah, Calypso Sweet Heat. Oh, and yeah. it was delicious. Thank you oh, very much. Thanks. Thanks, Jack. All right, here, I'm here with Ma- Manny Banda of Manny's Sweet Pepper and Love, Manny's Salt, Pepper, and Love Barbecue Sauce. Wow. Manny, it was delicious. Oh, thank you. What was your inspiration to making this barbecue sauce? Well, you know, I'm, sometimes I'm barbecue only for, uh, for my family, for my wife and myself and my baby, but this time I want to show to Giselle, you uh-huh. know what I mean? I can cook a little bit, so that's the reason I'm, I'm cook, you know what I mean? So I did a very simple you no know, cook, salt, pepper, and I'm making it laugh because I care about the people, you know what I mean? They asked me to cook today. Uh-huh. Okay. Any inspiration for you to make this? It was What, what, what got you into uh, making barbecue sauce? Oh, I like uh, making the barbecue sauce because I like it, how I own people integrate together, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. celebrate 4th of July, you know, as a family. Right. We're a family because we spend the most of the time together. So I want to bring something, you know what I mean, so everybody can, can come over and eat and share and talk and have a good time. Great. What kind of barbecue do you use? Do you grass grill? grill? Do you smoke? Do you use a smoker? Do you use charcoal? A charcoal. Charcoal yes. grill? Charcoal. Like a natural, no, uh, natural charcoal and put in the grill, salt and pepper. But it's the way how you cook. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Sure. It's the way how you cook. You try. Yeah. Do you like it? Oh, it's delicious. <laughs> yeah, so... It's no, uh, yeah, I, I did many times, so I tried right now one of my best, you know what I mean? So I'm glad you, know, you like it, you yes. know what I mean? And what's your favorite type of uh, meat to cook, uh, to, to barbecue? Oh, uh, beef, beef, I like it. Uh-huh. Well, right now I try ribs, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Pork ribs, uh, but right. I like a beef. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that's what I, you know, I really enjoy cooking those, so. I hope everybody likes them. Uh, absolutely. We are here at uh, Aeon. It's actually my office. Uh, we have a barbecue sauce contest. And it's around the 4th of July. So, uh, Manny, have a great 4th of July. It's very oh, thank delicious. You. And uh, good luck. Oh, thank you so much. Thank okay, you. Bye-bye. All right, here. I am here with Akram Jelani. And his sauce is called Akram's Apple Cinnamon. And Akram, it was very delicious. I can tell you that. Uh, could you tell, tell, tell me what it was your inspiration to make this sauce? Well, this was my first attempt. I never made barbecue sauce in my life. <laughs> really? So, yes, but oh. I do like cinnamon and apples. Uh-huh. So that was uh, kind of, that got started. Then I had um, honey, then I had um, uh, sea salt and uh, green pepper corn in it. Wow. So, so, so that was the base, but those were the additional ingredients. I can really taste the apple and the cinnamon in your sauce, so it's it very good. It, the description was, was perfect. Perfect blend of apple and cinnamon, spice goodness. Um, so this is your first attempt, you said. So you don't. This is not your regular hobby. No. But do you barbecue at all? I do, but I always buy sauce. I okay. never make my own. So well, now you don't have to buy the sauce. Now you can yes. Just <laughs> it even surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you your barbecue methods. Do you uh, use a, a charcoal? Do you have gas grill? Do you use a smoker? What, what, so, do, what do you like to do? Um, living in the city, there is no outdoor space. So it's mostly uh, grill 
on the on the gas gas grill gas grill and whenever i get the opportunity outdoors it's always charcoal that's my you know first preference that's the goal to charcoal yes, yes. yes charcoal okay the well, best flavors <laughs> and what do you like to cook oh i can make basmati rice lentils chicken you name it i can I, I enjoy cooking. Oh, oh that's <laughs> terrific. And uh, your sauce was, was very delicious. And, thank you. And thank, thank you for sharing with us. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. So I'm here with Martha Banks. Hello. Hello. Martha Hi. is a uh, executive assistant here at Aon. Yes, I am. She's also a great opera singer. <laughs> yes, I am. And she also is a, uh, a great uh, barbecue, barbecue sauce, sauce cook. <laughs> Her, the name of her barbecue sauce is nice and sweet, but packing a punch. punch. Yeah, a little, little kick at the end little there. Kick, little kick to leave in your mouth, you know. So, Martha, I've been asking everybody, what was your inspiration to make it a barbecue sauce? So, actually, my sauce comes from my grandfather's sauce. He used to... He used to put beer in his and like bake it a little bit and then let it chill and put some uh, some other goodies in there. But uh, he always liked something sweet and spicy at the same time. So I kind of borrowed his recipe. You know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you want to give us a little secret what the kick at the end is? Well, I can't you divulge my secrets. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> can't divulge my secrets. Well, I tell you this, it, it's. It's fantastic. You can actually make, go out and sell this because of any any plans of taking this commercial? No. Going out no, and uh, making a no, million? No, no, no. Yeah. It's too much work, and I have way too many other things to do, <laughs> <laughs> like take take care of uh, my day job and and the opera career. So. Right. So. Uh, but it was fun. It was fun to do. Right. So what what kind of so, what kind of meat would you say your sauce would go on ribs. best? Ribs. We always put it with ribs. Okay. Yeah. Beef ribs, beef pork and rib? pork. Okay. Beef and pork. You know, my my um grandfather and my parents are from the south, so mostly pork ribs. Okay. Rarely use beef. Okay. But yeah, any kind of rib. <laughs> well, it was delicious. Thank you, Martha. Thank you for having me. All right. <laughs> Jeff, that's pretty impressive. Oh, thank you. Yeah, they were all very impressive. Yeah. Nice interviews, good style, and excellent sauces. I mean, that was, and you were a judge. I'm very impressed. That's, well, that's what I try to do, impress you, Len. All right, next I'd like to give a shout-out. Shout-out! To Baseball PhD. Baseball PhD, why? They just uh, released episode number 500. 500? Yeah, now, if you guys haven't listened to Baseball PhD, it's a really good podcast. Um, we had Ed Casputis on our show. He's one of the... Um, founders. Founders, hosts of Baseball PhD. So they did number episode number 500. They are from the city of Cleveland, Ohio, which, right. as you know, this coming uh, this coming week, right? they're going to have the... All-Star All- Game? Exactly. So, you know, they've been doing this for 10 years, and they got the 500 episodes. Most podcasts don't last five. Right. And we're at number 38. 38. We are so close. We're getting. We're going to be at 500 before you know it. <laughs> so let's give a shout out to Baseball PhD, Ed Casputis, Farley Dillinger, and Mark Rantala. Guys, congratulations and thank you for having us on your podcast. The only thing is, when you guys were talking about your best episodes, you did not mention when Jeff and I were on your show. Maybe that was just an oversight. I think it was an oversight. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) All right, Len, with that, we're going to end the podcast. 
And I hope everybody enjoyed it. Yes, and we are going to end it, but guys, don't forget, Gorilla Grills is having their Grill Fest, right? That right. Grill Fest. Okay, don't forget about that. If you're in Michigan on August 10th, right? August all right, 10th. look them up. Look up Gorilla Grills on their website. You'll see information on the event. You have to purchase tickets in advance. Uh, and they give site, they give uh, accommodations where to sleep, hotels and whatnot. Right. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff there um, on that. Also, thank you very much to our very special guest, Todd Pratt. Right. Wow. Great guy. Great interview. Wish him all the best. And we wish all of you, our listeners, a wonderful, happy 4th of July. And if you wanted to contact the show, please give us a call, 516-855-8214. Leave us a message on our Facebook page. Check us out on our website, www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. Yeah, come on, guys. Give us your comments. Give us your... Send us an email, baseballandbbq at gmail.com. Oh, and guys, our Facebook page. We're trying to make as active as possible. Find our Facebook page. We're posting pictures. We're posting information on our interviews. I mean, we're just... Whatever happens, you can find. All right. With that, Len, I'll see you next time. See ya. Thank you.